Hey all, John Moncrief here. Welcome to this week's edition of The Freedom Experience. This is a place where I share ideas, strategies, techniques that can help you to create a more valuable business. You know, a business that brings you joy, a place where you actually enjoy going to work, um, and you know, that ultimately when the time's right, you can sell at a premium. Uh, after all, isn't that why you set off on this entrepreneurial journey? So this week, I'm going to put something out there. Yeah, the secret to owning a valuable business, the secret to owning a business that's not, that, that doesn't consume you. And this, that's the idea of the one-hour work week. And before you hang up or switch this off or stop listening, let me ask you this. What's the purpose of your business? Maybe just let that sink in for a moment. You know, why did you start the business? What, what's the purpose that you started this business? Yeah, for most owners I talk to, the answer is something along the lines of giving me the life that I want. Where are you at now? Is your business giving you the life that you want? I mean, when you break that down, it's usually about money, time, and freedom. More time to spend with your family, to spend at your kids' uh, sports events, or time with your wife, time with your friends, time with your partner. Um, and the freedom to work to your own schedule. And when it comes to money, it's the ability to live where you want, to own the house you want, to drive the car you want, to travel wherever you want to. And, and freedom is, is working with the people that you actually enjoy working with and, and making an impact. So going back to that question again, yeah? What's the purpose of your business? And is it giving you what you want out of life? And that's where this idea of the one-hour work week comes in. And I'm going to get to where it sort of comes from. But most business owners who I end up speaking to are feeling trapped in their businesses. And they find themselves trapped. And the truth is that so many owners don't actually own a company. They just own a job. They go to work every day and they, they have this job and that's what they do. Um, and your mindset has to evolve to a place where you see your business as a separate entity of yourself um, and how you get that business working for you. And obviously that's if you, if you want to get to the freedom and the, the more time and, and money. I mean, if you're happy working 78 hours a day a week, then don't let me stop you. But when you've done that and, and you've got your business working for you, you're, on your way to a place where your business is very attractive to a buyer as well. So when it comes time to thinking about selling, then you've created something that's super attractive and that you can sell for a premium. And that kind of brings me to the crux of this one hour work week. Now, it's not a new concept. It's something that I've heard described in a number of ways before. Yeah, I first came across it when uh, in my own document storage business, Norm Brodsky, the ink columnist and author of NAC who owns City Storage, uh, a big, big document storage business in, in Brooklyn. Uh, I went to, to visit uh, Norm's facility to understand more about how he ran his business. But Norm talked about something about uh, something called magic numbers. These are the, the, the key numbers that you, or the, the the numbers that you absolutely had to keep your eye on. If you're stuck on a desert island, these are the numbers 
that would help you to run the business. The only numbers that you would need to know to be able to run that business. Tim Ferriss popularized this whole four-hour work week, and it wasn't so much about only working four hours a week, but being able to run your business in a limited amount of time. If you heard me talk uh, in a previous episode, I can't remember which number, but Tim eventually sold his business because it was valuable. He could run it. It didn't rely on him. Sorry. So his business didn't rely on him, made it more valuable, and he could could sell it. So it wasn't so much about just being able to work four hours a week, but it was about building value in the business. An investor that invested in my business early on would sit down with us once a week for about an hour. And he would, we would have one sheet of paper with what's working well, what's not working so well. And he'd advise us on how to fix those things. Yeah, we were not only the owners of the business, but essentially the leadership team. And he looked at at the business as an investor. And then recently I heard John Nuremberg talk about this one hour phone call on uh, during the week. And that really got me thinking. And John asked a question. Uh, and I'll tell you what that question is as best I, I can remember. But it, it's basically, what would have to be in place in your business? What would have to be in place so that you only have, or if you only have one hour a week, or you only need one hour a week to speak to someone in your business? In that hour, what would you have to know about the business to know what's working and what's not working and what's needed to fix it? And that you can get that done through someone other than yourself. So let me just go over that once more, right? What would have to be in place in your business right now so that you only need one hour a week to speak to somebody in your business and in that hour, you know enough about what's going right in the business, what's not working in the business, what needs to be done to fix it and how to get that done through someone else. Now, I know what you're thinking. Get real, Jean. But before you hang up and stop listening, this is one of the most fundamental changes that you have to make as a business owner. And if you can overcome it, if you can get this right in your business, your business will probably be at its optimal value and start attracting buyers, start attracting acquirers. And sure, you may not want to sell yet, but you will be in a place where your business is actually fun and where your bring, business brings you some joy. You know, place that not many business owners are fact in. So let's get practical for a moment. Where do we actually start? Where do you start to get this right? And I want to go right down to the absolute fundamentals. It comes down to three things, systems, people, and leadership. And John put this really well. Your systems run your business, your people run your systems, and you lead your people. Now imagine if you kind of change something up there and you put the people first. If your people come before your systems, then you're stuck on this roller coaster, which so many of us business owners are. You know, people come and go, and as they do, so does your business. You know, the business rises and falls on the quality of your people. I've had a huge amount of experience in this. You, you hire some good salespeople, you hire some bad salespeople, you hire some good software engineers, you hire some bad software engineers. And one of the most fundamental processes that were miss, was missing there for me was the hiring process. Um, 
I wasn't hiring in line with my culture. So I was bringing people that don't fit into the business. And and there's some studies to say that you know, 50% of the people in your business right now are probably not the people that you would have if you had to restart your business over right now. You, you'd probably only want to take 50% along with them. So it it starts with the processes and and you know, fundamentals. That's kind of the hiring process. You 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 want to bring people in. You want to follow process. And when you bring the salespeople in or the developers in, and you've you've gone through the right hiring process, you want to have processes in place that they follow, um, and that they're doing or they keep doing what works. Sure, they can improve on it, but that they actually keep doing the things that that work in the business. So if systems run your business and your systems are stable and robust, then your next step is really about finding good people to to run those systems. Um, and again, another good example too of 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 systems. Um, you know, when, if you imagine when my daughter was 16 years old, she joined Itsu, a sushi franchise here in London, and she could make perfect sushi. She could deal with customer complaints. She could open and close a store. She could make sure that the toilets were clean enough to eat in. But do you think she'd clean her own bedroom? And my partner was always saying, you need to put systems in place here. Another great analogy, probably even closer to the truth that John talked about was, if, if you run a small fishing boat, you need to be able to fix the engine if something goes wrong. Now, I remember going out with my father and catching lobster and, and the engine kept breaking down. He needed an hour to fix that thing else we were either rowing or swimming back to shore. So, you, well, but if you're a captain of a destroyer or an aircraft carrier or oil tanker, you can't be down in the engine room, or if you are with you know your tools around your belt, um, tinkering with, with the engine, you've got some serious problems if you're at that level. So you need good systems in place and you need good people using those systems. And... Let's kind of take a let's take this to another level and, and just walk through what what you need to be doing to get these systems in place because it's easy to say get systems in place but it's really get down to to the, the sort of brass tacks here what what do you need to do? So most owners are super good at abdicating um, and, and and that's just saying to somebody or, or just telling somebody to go off and do something like um, but you're probably or you're, you're probably not communicating. Um, to them properly, you're probably not subscribe, uh, supporting or describing your expectations properly. So, if you're just telling somebody to, to to sort of go off and hire a new salesperson, or to go off and generate more leads, or what, whatever that is, if you haven't explained to them or communicated exactly what your expectations are, um you're just kind of abdicating that responsibility. So if you want to delegate properly and you're also building systems off the back of that delegation, you need to be able to clearly articulate what your expectations are, help people to build systems together and put those in place. And then what happens is people start to evolve. And you can then say, okay, that's your area of responsibility. And you don't need to check on me, check with me on it anymore because you have the systems to do what you need to do. And in that one hour weekly phone call, you get the indicators that tell you whether something in the system is wrong or not, and you know how to fix it. 
So here's, you know, let, let's just kind of keep breaking this down. Here's what you need to do. Five really simple steps to getting these systems in process, uh, systems in place. Number one, explain what they need to do. Be very clear on what your expectations are. Support them and explain what it is they need to do. Number two, have them describe it back to you before they go off and do the job. Let them describe back to you so that you're both on the same page in terms of what needs to be done. Then they go off and they do the job and you, you can kind of review how things went. Number three, have them create a standard operating procedure. So what's understood and what's learned. And then number four, get that SOP back, that standard operating procedure, the guidelines or whatever it is back and adjust it to exactly how you want the job done. Sort of do that, that tweaking. And you end up, number five, with a standard operating procedure, which any other reasonable person, if you've got a good hiring process in place, is able to reproduce that widget or lead generation or whatever using that process. So let's just go over it again. Five key things here. One, explain what they need to do. Number two, have them describe it back to you and then go and do the job. Number three, have them create a standard operating procedure with the learnings and the understanding that they now have. Get that, number four, get that standard operating procedure back to you so you can review it and tweak it. And number five, get that standard operating place, uh, procedure in place so that when you're hiring and bringing new people in, they have access to it and they, they can then go off and use it. And... I just want to sort of recap then. Systems run your business. People run those systems and you lead your people. If you have the right systems and people in place with the right metrics, you're a long way toward owning a business that you can run on a one-hour phone call a week. And that's what's extremely attractive to a buyer. A buyer is not looking to buy a job. A buyer is looking to buy a company to purchase an investment. They're not looking to get in there to fix everything and to put those systems in place and and to make sure you've got the right people. You, know, you think about sort of remodeling a house. If the remodeling is all done before you go to market, you're going to get a lot more for that uh, for that house. And, and it's the same thing applies here. So thanks very much for watching. Uh, happy to answer any questions. Just kind of send them over. And if you... if Felt this was useful, then subscribe to the, the podcast, uh, follow, share, whatever you need to do. And if you need some help with this, then just head over to letsgrowyourbusinessvalue.com. That's letsgrowyourbusinessvalue.com.